and because they wanted to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And and so that was like I felt like God was sending me angels, yeah. you know, to walk with. <laughs> exactly. And well, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Every person that you met, it was I, I believe like everyone we meet, whether it's just a quick interaction or a long, you know, you could be married to someone for years or you could meet someone for an hour. You're supposed to meet them, you know, for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody, welcome to Lauren.Live, the spirituality and health podcast. Today I have Kathleen Donnelly Israel with me. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here, Lauren. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. So Kathleen has a really interesting story. I'm going to let her tell it to you, but um, just to give you a quick rundown of what we're going to be talking about, she uh, will talk about, we could talk a little bit about, you know, you caring for your husband uh, for years. He, he had an illness and that was an impact on your life and then kind of what you learned from that. But then also you had a, a spiritual journey in France on the, I'm hoping I say it right, the Camino Santiago, right? Um, right. And, mm-hmm. and you met people along the way and uh, sharing forgiveness and possibilities. And um, I'm really uh, excited to hear about your journey and what you learned there. And then, of course, what you can teach me and my <laughs> listeners today. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So if you wouldn't mind just um, telling a little bit about yourself and, and, and your journey, um, and then we'll just kind of see where it goes. Well, I, I was born in San Diego. Um, I mean, we're an old San Diego family and my husband was born here too. And, um, just lived here all of our lives. And, uh, we got married and raised five kids. (laughs) We were a team couple for marriage encounter and, uh, we ran a marathon together. Um, my husband was a athlete and I was a wannabe athlete. So, um, So uh, he ran the marathon in three hours and I ran it in five and a half hours. (laughs) But anyway, I was a finisher. So that was really good. So, um, yeah, his illness, um, it was one of the, you know, because he was such an athlete, he was a triathlete. And uh, when he got sick, people were like, you know, found out it was Parkinson's and people were like, oh, no, not Ron, you know. But the thing is, he was a happy man. He uh, he loved to sit and watch cowboy movies and NCIS and all kinds of stuff on TV. And, and he was just a happy, you know, um, right before he died, um, UCSD sent out um, um, a survey about happiness. And every one of them, he was like happy, the happiest, the happiest, the happiest. And and he wanted to fill it out himself too, you know, and I was just amazed, but he, um, you know, having a caregiver was his wealth. He, he, uh, I was his wealth, you know, I made it possible for him to do what he was doing. And when he first got sick, I wanted to cure him. (laughs) And then I found out that he did not want me to be his healer. He wanted me to be his caregiver. So, um, so that's how we did our life. I was the caregiver. I was really kind of, um, I was, I felt like it was a blessing that I was the caregiver, not the cared for one because, um, 
you know, it's hard having an illness like that. And it's hard to die too. It really is. And so um, he got to do that. And I got to be his caregiver. Cause I mean, if you're going to do till death do us part, somebody's going to be caring for somebody at some time, you know? So um, that's what we did. Wow. <laughs> how long was he uh, ill and how long did you care for him? Well, he, he ha- uh, found out he was, he had Parkinson's in 2001. He had it before that, but we, they just didn't know what it was. They thought it was arthritis. They thought all kinds of things. And then finally his uh, physical therapist said, you know what, your, your muscles aren't working correctly here, <laughs> you know, and he sent him to a neurologist and that's how we found out. Mm. And uh, so he, <laughs> you know, uh, so anyway, he was okay until 2011 or 10, 2010. And then in 2010, he was in so much pain. He was, you know, he was like, I told him he was med soup. I'm not a person who takes meds too much. And he was taking, you know, in the beginning, he was taking carbidopa levodopa. And then he had the one for the side effects of that. And then he had the one for the side effects of that. And he was taking like eight pills several times a day. And I told him, you know what? You're just full of meds and that's why you're in pain. But the doc... The doctor said he, he had uh, stenosis of the spine and they wanted to give him gabapentin. And I'm just like, he's taking enough meds, yeah. you know? So, uh, so anyway, um, we, this doctor came to our house. I, one of the ways I tried to cure him was I got negative ion clothing and bedding mm. and, uh, he refused to wear them. But, uh, anyway, I, I was advertising it. You know, it's so expensive. You have to sign up to get a discount. And uh, so I was advertising it and this doctor read about it and he came to my house to see it. And he said, when he saw Ron, he goes, okay, well, I know I'm here. I'm going to cure Ron. And so um, I said, well, if you want to cure Ron, you go talk to Ron about it because Ron doesn't want me to be his healer. So you want to do that, you go right ahead. And so Ron agreed. He was in so much pain. He had to do something else. And so uh, the doctor took all his meds with him. And um, the next morning, Ron, Ron was in so much pain. He said, I need my meds. You don't understand. I just need them. So I called the doctor on the phone and he was walking up my street um, and he, he came and he gave Ron a coffee enema. Mm. And after that, no more pain. Ron didn't have any more pain after that. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, the doctor got me giving him three coffee enemas a day and juicing uh, carrots and celery and green apples and feeding them to Ron. And, um, so he, he was paralyzed because the meds helped him move, mm-hmm. but he would rather be paralyzed than in pain. Right. So he was, he was happy about that too. He was like, Oh, I've got Kathleen to take care of me. I I'm just fine. <laughs> you know? Wow. wow. What a journey. Well, so it sounds like it was over a, over a decade though, that he had had, had the disease right. and you were caring right. for him. So I'm sorry for your loss, but what a beautiful gift that you could 
care for him. That's true, yeah. you know, devotion and love. Yeah. Yeah. It was commitment. Commitment. Really. Yeah. It was, it was commitment. So what did you, um, what would you say is like your biggest takeaway from that period in your life when you were caring for him? Like, what did you, you know, learn? I'm sure there's many things, but like, what's one of the biggest things that you really learned? Well, I was pretty angry at Ron actually, um, because, you know, he decided not to try and heal himself. So he drugged me into his illness mm. and I was, I was angry. And, um, and uh, so we, we did a novena to um, there was this guy, Solanus Casey, and they wanted to make him a saint. And if you're Catholic, you have to have a miracle to, to become a saint. Mm. And so I was like, Oh, we'll get you a miracle. You can just cure Ron here. And uh, so what happened was, uh, Ron didn't get the cure I did. Mm. So I wasn't, I wasn't angry anymore after that. Okay. So cured my anger. That's good. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like, I got all the blessings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And, um, so while Ron was ill, I, I had a rough childhood. Um, and so I, um, I needed to do some healing. So while he was sick and I had to be home, I went online in the evenings and uh, listened to enlightened thought leaders and um, released a lot of my pain from my childhood. And so that was, that was really good. That was a a blessing from his illness. Yeah. You had a chance to reflect and heal and kind of slow down. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how there are blessings within hard times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So so after he passed, like, how did you kind of cope? And then, you know, how much longer after that then did you, your, you know, your big story about your journey, yeah. your trip, like how long was that after that? Well, Ron died in August and I was pretty much done with all the paperwork and stuff by January. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go on the Camino, I might as well get ready now because I wanted to go in the spring. Mm-hmm. And so I started, you know, listening to all kinds of YouTubes and stuff about packing light and, and stuff. I went to a, a lecture at the library by my house about packing light for the Camino. Mm. And uh, so I, I just uh, started accumulating all the things I needed. I would, you know, you have to have lightweight stuff. And so I would go online on Amazon and REI and I put lightweight sun protective shirt, you know, mm-hmm. and then I would find, uh, the clothing that I, I needed to take care of me. I mean, take with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you, um, cause like I'd never, I've never heard of this particular place in France. Like what was it about this place that you wanted to go to and how did you learn about it? Well, uh, around 2013, while Ron was ill and I was caring for him, really intensely caring for him in 2013. Uh, the, um, my friend Judy went on the Camino and she put it on Facebook and she had a picture of her blisters and her bloody feet, you know, when she was walking with bloody feet. And I was just like, Oh man, that, uh, I recognized that Judy was doing something very special for herself. And I thought, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. When Ron's done with his disease, I'm going to walk the Camino too. Mm. And so that was just something kind of special for me because um, 
I mean, Ron's an athlete. I thought we'd be riding our bicycles across France, you know, in our old age. And right. then when he got sick, it was like, oh, okay, we're not going to be doing that. Right. And so then I had to think of something else. For and you. Yeah. 2013, I found out what it was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that you were able to to do that for yourself and, um, you know, yeah. caring for someone uh, takes so much energy in it and it, you know, can suck a lot out of you. So it's nice. That, that is were able so to, true. Yeah. That is like hundred I mean, percent true. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, it makes me happy that you had something in mind to do afterwards, um, yeah. for your, you, for yourself, right. To fulfill you. Um, yeah. so then, so you went in the spring and how long was the whole entire, trip. Okay. Well, I left, I went, uh, for the last week in, um, March, I, I left in the last week of March and I stayed in Paris for a week to get my, so I wouldn't have jet lag. And then I made my way on a plane and a train to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. And, uh, and anyway, so, um, I was there 66 days. Wow which is a long time. And I took Holy week off and I took every Sunday off. So, you know, that's a lot there. And then I got sick several times and that took me longer too. But when I went, I gave myself three months mm-hmm. and when I, um, and so, cause I was going to finish no matter what I was going to do the whole thing. That was my goal. And, um, so that's what I did. <laughs> oh, so how long is the, you know, that, tr- is it like a trail or a route? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was the old Roman uh, road and it goes through from, well, it, it's, it goes all the way across Europe. Right. But um, the, where I started in France is on the, the, the Southern uh Western part of France goes into Spain and then you go over the Pyrenees. And, uh, so, um, I mean, I never thought I wanted to go to Spain in my life. It wasn't on my list, but now that I've been there, I, I really love Spain. It's wonderful. And, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, the trip, um, like they started the Camino, in uh, like 2012, so, I mean, not 2000, the 1200s, I'm mm. sorry, <laughs> the 1200s, I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, the 1200s, um, uh, what is his name? St. James, uh, actually the apostle of Jesus, St. James, actually in the year, I don't know, after 33, right? <laughs> um, uh, went to the Iberian Peninsula in tried to tell people about Jesus and he didn't get very many followers. So he went back to Jerusalem and they martyred him. And then he uh, went back. Um, So some people and some angels brought him back to Spain and buried him in Spain. In the 1200s, they were trying to get the Moors out of Spain. And uh, so uh, the story goes that St. James 
appeared and helped them win the battle and get the Moors out of Spain. And everybody liked St. James after that, right? And they, they found his grave. And so they started having a pilgrimage to his grave. And the, the grave is actually inside the cathedral at Santiago. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah, so you can go in there and they have this brass statue and you can kind of like hug it and kiss mm-hmm. it if you want to. And then they have his grave down below and... When I went in there, there was a lady selling roses out front. So I got one and I threw the rose on his grave. I asked the lady, what am I going to do with this rose? And she said, throw it on his grave. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) So, um, so the, the route goes through France into Spain. Right. Over the Pyrenees. Only when I got there, it was snowing on the Pyrenees. And so it was against the law to go over the Pyrenees. So I had to walk around the Pyrenees. So, um, so it's a long route and you walk the whole thing. 500, 500 miles. Actually it's like 489 or something like that miles. That's incredible. So just every day, but Sunday. And then that one week though, you would just get up and walk most of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Really 10 hours, you know, and you camped or where did you stay every night? See, it's, um, like, um, the Camino is a big part of the um, economy in Northern mm-hmm. Spain. So there's albergues. Mm. So you, um, it's like a big room with a whole bunch of bunk beds and a bathroom and a kitchen. Okay. And so uh, they've got whatever you need. Uh, if, if it's in a town with a restaurant, then they'll say to you, you can go to this restaurant tell them you're a pilgrim, you get the pilgrim meal mm. and, it, and it's like 12 euros. And then, uh, and then if they have a grocery store, they'll have kitchen facilities and you can cook your food. Mm. And then if there's no refri- no, um, no store and no re- restaurant, then they make your food for you. And, you know, a lot of times I would go into a place and they say, well, you know, you have to eat here because there's no place else to eat mm-hmm. or else you could eat out of your backpack. I usually wow. kept some vegetables and a sausage in my backpack so I could eat mm-hmm. if I needed to. Wow. Okay. So there were places for you along the way. That makes sense. Yeah. It's not a third world country. They have, yeah. they have stuff, right. you know, they have beautiful supermarkets and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's cool. Not as big as ours, but you know, yeah. Wow. <laughs> So, so you did this journey and then you were probably, of course, meeting people along the way and Mm -hmm. at an, and at every stop, I imagine from around the world. Yes. Yes. The first, um, well, the first night, uh, I was in San John at the Bellare and yeah, people from all over the world were there. And then the next night I actually met the people and there was a lady from Holland. There was a man from there was a man from LA and a lady from LA who they didn't even know each other. Mm. And uh, there was a guy from Germany. Uh, There was a a man and a woman who were brother and sister from Canada. And um, we all made a WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. And so we could keep track of each other on the Camino Mm -hmm. and we can still, you know, contact each other now because we have the whatsapp oh that's really neat so did you sometimes walk with them during the days or um i mainly walked by myself because i mean i'm an old lady and i walk slow (laughs) 
Plus I have a bum foot. So that slowed me down too. But I felt like I was walking very fast. Pretty, yeah, that's but, incredible. But everybody was going choom, choom, choom yeah. past yeah. me. Well, it sounds like a lot of walking. So good for you. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, it's kind of a low tech skill. You can just do it. Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> do it at your own pace. Wow. Yeah. And that, so that's incredible. So so what were some of the like hardest parts of it and then the best parts of the journey? Um yeah, say um the hardest part was the the mountains to climb over the mountains. They they uh there's a the mesita and it is um very flat. And people just told me, "Oh, you're just going to hate the mesita. It's boring and flat." And when I got to the mesita, it was so beautiful cuz of modern farming techniques it was just like fields of yellow flowers forever mm. you know they're growing canola or something and and uh and but the mountains oh my gosh they i mean that was really hard for me <laughs> and it was like you would climb the mountain and you'd see oh that must be the top and then you get there and it goes curves around that way and then you'd get to the top of that and then it curves around that way and it was like i felt like there wasn't ever gonna be a top but i knew that there had to be an end to this trail so i i just said okay it was kind of like a surrender situation like just keep walking Mm -hmm. you know and uh so that's how i got through that oh my gosh wow so it sounds like hard but beauty a lot at the same time almost (laughs) right right and i there was one time i was walking up this mountain and i was so sweaty um, there were trees and I would just be really glad when I get under the trees because it wasn't so hot, but you're not always under the trees. And my clothes were entirely wet when I got to the top of that mountain. Wow. And uh, when I got to the top, I just sat down and I'm like, oh, I can't go any further. And uh, this guy um, came back. He, he got to the Albergue and he came back and he said, get up. You need to go because if you don't get there before, you know, before they're full, you'll have to keep walking. Oh, no. Yeah. So I, I caught up and I, and I went oh and gosh. it was just around the corner really. So it was pretty funny. That's good. He came to get you. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. So, yeah. so it took you, you said about 60, how many 66, days? 66 days. 66 days. Wow. I, I, yeah, I started, um, April 5th and I got done on, um, what is it? June 10th. Wow. My husband's birthday was on the 9th and I was trying to get mm-hmm. to the end on his birthday, but it was too, That's it was okay. too much. One I couldn't day. do it. Yeah. One day difference. Wow. And so then, um, like, uh, in, you know, uh, when I read about your journey, you said you were sharing forgiveness and, and possibilities. So like, mm-hmm. can you speak to that? Like some of your more meaningful, conversations with people and then, you know, like the spiritual growth that you experienced. Right. Um, so, um, there was one of the, have you heard of Ho'oponopono? I think so. Sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. So I shared that there was, um, I was in this Albert gay and they actually provided the food. And so yeah, I had a tray and I was like looking around, where should I sit? And so I just went over to this table and sat down 
And there was a guy, um, well, there, you know, the table was full, but there was a guy and a lady um, kind of over on that side. And one of the things that pilgrims do is say, why are you here? Mm. Why did you come? And um, so he said, why did you come? Or I asked him, why did you come? And, and he said, Oh, I'm in the military and I had a little bit of a vacation. So I decided to spend it on the Camino. And he said, so why did you come? And I told him about my husband and how I had cared for him for so many years and he died. And, um, and so, um, he, he was really impressed that I took care of my husband in his old age. And uh, I told him, yeah, you know, I got married when I was 20 years old. And I remember sitting in my room the night before I got married and saying, my life is not going to be mine anymore. My life is going to be Ron and my life now. And I, I got it, you know, age 20. And um, he said, Wow, that's amazing. And then the lady next to him kind of nudged him. Oh, he was from England and she was from the America. She nudged him and she said, tell her the rest. Mm-hmm. And I and he said, um, you know, that he had married this lady and they had a child. And then he realized that he was too young when he got married and he um, left her. And um you know, that's why he was on the Camino to just to reflect and figure out what to do. And, and I was just like, Oh man, you know, I kind of sucked him to him without even knowing yeah. it. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so I told him about the Ho'oponopono and what it is, is it's a Hawaiian healing technique for the family. And you, um, you it's like a prayer or an incantation. So you say, I love you. And it's the big, I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves them. They love God. And if you can say it, you say, I love them and they love me. Okay. I love you. I'm sorry. And it's, I'm sorry that this situation exists between us. The situation here, I'm sorry it exists. Please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract this. So there's something going on in me this low vibration that brought in this sadness to me from this person, please forgive me. And then thank you. And it's thank you for showing me this so I could heal. So if, if, if this person hadn't, you know, pushed my buttons, basically, I wouldn't know where my brokenness was. So I couldn't heal it. So thank you for showing me this so I could heal. And then I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves the other person. And I'm maybe you can say, I love them, you know, (laughs) by that time. So um, you, it's, it's like, it releases us. We have a bound binds with other people that uh, cause us to um, have adversity. And so it looses those binds and then we can live with that person or, you know, maybe we need to get rid of them anyway, but whatever it, it loses the binds that we have with the other person that causes us to uh, have a problem. Wow. Wow. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause I talk a lot about that on the show about energy and mm-hmm. I do think, you know, we attract certain things in, you know, like the law of attraction Absolutely. and 
Um, but yeah, I think for sure learning lessons, sometimes things like that come into our life and being able to forgive yourself or others. That's a really powerful thing. Yeah. So that's the deal. I don't really even feel like I need to forgive anybody anymore because I'm taking responsibility for having attracted all of that stuff in Mm -hmm. even, I mean, you know, if you saw my childhood, you would think, Oh my God, you know, and, um, but the thing is that I can't, I believe that I came in as a low vibrational spirit. Mm. I was a low vibrational spirit out in the universe with God. And I heard that if you go into the, you into the world, you can raise your vibration because you can do unconditional love mm-hmm. and that raises your vibration. And so, um, even knowing that I was going to go in with a low vibration, I was going to attract really a crappy life. Um, I was willing to do that so I could, um, you know, do the unconditional love. And the thing about unconditional love is you can't even do it unless you have adversity Mm -hmm. because it's easy to love the people that love you that, you know, that are nice to you. It's easy but it's the unconditional love that you have to do for the unlovables Mm. that raises your vibration. So, you know, uh, I attracted all that in, but it was part of the cure, Mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah. Nicely said. That's beautiful and hard work sometimes, but then also once you kind of start to practice it, I think, you know, it could get a little easier too. And, um, well, yeah, if you, I mean, if you realize what's going on, you know, I had no idea. I thought my sad story was important, Mm -hmm. you know, and one time somebody said, why don't you just make up a different story? And I'm like, well, that wouldn't be true, you know, but I didn't know that the more I told my sad story, the more I made it real, the more I brought in more of that stuff. Mm. So I had to change my mind. And, um, you know, I learned these things from those enlightened thought leaders Mm. while I was taking care of Ron. I had to change my mind, find something good to think about and sink it, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, I know it was hard for me to let go of my past. Mm -hmm. But this one um, coach that I worked with told me, okay, well, just imagine you're walking down the street. You've got your past behind you. Okay, now turn the corner. When you look back, you don't see your, you don't see the past anymore. All you have is the future. And that's where the possibilities are. The possibilities are for now and the future. Anything could happen. It's like when I was so sad and I was like afraid of everything because I didn't want something, some more bad stuff to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I didn't realize that just staying there and thinking that stuff was just going to make it last forever. And so what a wonderful blessing that I figured it out. And I, I don't have to, you know, I, number one, I take responsibility, not like I, not like guilt or anything, but just honoring my valiant spirit that decided to come in here. I mean, really? And So now when I, I mean, I would get mortified 
mortified by things that would go wrong. And now when things go wrong, I'm like, oh, well, Kathleen, congratulations for being out there and doing things because you could have stayed home and nothing bad would happen, Mm -hmm. but you were out there. So yay for you. Yeah. What, what, what are you going to learn and what's part of your journey? And yeah, I mean, I, I really believe that too. Like we choose our life and we choose to come in and it's such a gift to come here. And yes, there are hard times and low vibrations. And sometimes we bring that with us, but, but also we have the chance to grow. That's the whole whole point, like earth school. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I I think it's a pretty common spiritual belief amongst many that unconditional love, forgiveness, and compassion are the highest vibrations. And so if you can practice and attract that into your life and, and share it with others, I really think that's what what we're here to do. And it's incredible. Yeah. And and when when we have like um we find a way to have the joy inside of us. It emit it emanates mm-hmm. from us. It's true. It changes the world. Yeah, it, does. it does. Wow, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So you kind of probably shared some of that type of, I would assume, what we're talking about with people that you met right along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that the you know there was another lady I told about. It's all in my book. It's all, you know, mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote about it. I actually, I, I wanted to write a book about um, all the teachings that I learned while Ron was sick. And then when I went to write the book, I was like, eh, I don't want to be teaching, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wrote my book about, I remembered that I had talked about all those things with the people on the Camino. Mm-hmm. So I wrote my book about walking the Camino and telling people those things. Yeah. And um, what is, can you tell everybody what the title of your book is? Yeah, I don't know. Can you see it straight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Wisdom on the Camino, a sp- spiritual journey, sharing forgiveness and possibilities to inspire the rest of your life mm-hmm. by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. Wonderful. And uh, it's a, it, I, when I start, when I, I wrote it to share my wisdom, but um, when I, when I sent it to the, um, the editor, he, he was like, this is a travel memoir. <laughs> he didn't get the, you know, he didn't get the teachings. But anyway, you can, I think if, um, if you have a mind for the teachings, you'll see them in there. Yes. And then if you just want to, um, you want to read a fun story about the Camino, you can, you'll get that. <laughs> That's amazing. And where can people find your book? Well, it's self-published on uh Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I, I got um, number one bestseller in three categories. Wow. That was pretty cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, you just go onto Amazon, write wisdom on the Camino, and it just comes right up. That's incredible. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. we'll definitely link, you know, link, you know, information about your book and the title and the description of the podcast so people can, can find that. And, um, yeah, I think your story is absolutely incredible, inspirational, real. You know, you have mm-hmm. moments of the pain with your husband, and and but yet you were healing through that, which is incredible. And then all the people that you met and your determination to finish and do something for yourself, but then yet you were learning along the way, but also teaching others. I mean, I just think the whole the whole thing is so really cool and special. 
And yeah, it was a blessing. Yeah. I mean, for so many people, right? Not just you, but and then now for us to hear about it, um, really incredible. And I mean, are there any other, you know, tid- tidbits or, or things that you learned that you'd like to share? Well, there was, there was another guy and uh, I met him. He's, he was from England too. No, he was in Ireland, right? Mm. He was from Ireland. But he he was traveling with a lady from Germany and a man from England, and I met him um, in uh, Sahagen, and uh, we were just you know sitting out eating lunch together in on the patio, and um, I was asking him why he was on the Camino, and he said that um, he had two brothers, and his parents had gone to. Dublin to live in Dublin and left them there, the three boys to raise themselves the rest of the way. And uh, his older brother had left, grow up, needed to leave. And it was his turn to leave. And he had waited till his brother graduated from high school. And now he wanted to leave. And his brother was angry with him for leaving. And he didn't know what to do. And that's why he was on the Camino. And, uh, to figure it out. And so I told him, well, you know, when you, um, when you're worried about something, you're like making up a sad story and believing it. So you need to make up a good story about this. Um, so you can allow the, the good things to come in. Um, and he was like, didn't know what I was talking about. And so, (laughs) So uh, he's, I said, well, think about you uh, and your brothers in, you know, in, I don't know what town it was. Um, and, um, and think about you all being happy. And he's like, okay, you know, we're all happy. And, and he actually saw his parents there too. And then um, I said, well, okay, well, take away uh, your parents and imagine you being happy, what's going on? And he goes, yeah, my older brother's there and my younger brother, we're all, we're all pretty happy. And then I said, okay, well now take away your older brother and imagine how can things be happy? And he said, well, um, one thing I could do is send my brother to my parents. He's, He's their responsibility, not my responsibility. And I said, yeah, that's the good story. Mm -hmm. That's what you can do. So you kind of have to, you know, prime the pump when you Mm want to think of something good. And so it was like possibility thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so that's how I, what I shared with him. And it was so great to be with those guys. Um, I actually, I, I walked, uh, Sahagan is the halfway mark on the Camino. And, um, when I got there, uh, the monk, uh, took my money and what you do is you go in and you pay whatever they want. It's like five to 12 euros. It's very cheap. And, uh, they, uh, give you a bed. And so I, he, there was a room with three people in it you know, the English guy, the Irish guy and the German lady. And so he, he said, uh, 
pick a bunk and I, there was stuff on all the bunks and I'm like, uh, <laughs> which one? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, they've been here too long. Just take stuff off of one of the bunks and choose that one. And so I did. And, uh, so, and then I fell asleep on my, on my, I put out my sleeping bag and fell asleep. And when I got back, they were there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> I, so I said, Hey, do you guys want to do laundry? Cause uh, when you go, you only have like three sets of clothes. You don't have very much. And so you kind of tell each other, well, do you want to do laundry together? And you put all your clothes together and it's like five euros or something and or three, I think it was three euros. Uh, and so uh, they said, yeah. And so I, you know, we all went down to the kitchen. That's where the laundromat was. And we did clothes together. And then I went and took a shower and I went out and uh, they were with two other girls and somebody had made a salad and I, I went out there and um, somebody gave me their plate <laughs> that they had used oh, wow. and somebody had a clean fork and they and they gave me the rest of the salad because they didn't eat it all. And I thought that was so nice that, you know, I didn't have to get food. I, they just gave it to mm-hmm. me and that was lovely. And then the next day when we left together, we got to a bar and um, and we went in and the guy, the Irish guy bought a pitcher of wine and a whole bunch of olives or something. And we were all sitting around and, and I tried to give him some money and he was like, no, no, you know, you get it next time, you know? And so it was, it's like the, the Camino provides or something. That's one of the things people say the Camino provides. That's really neat. Wow. What a way to it's like the pay it forward, right? Like you yeah. help somebody and then and, they'll help. And somebody. so after that, you know, there was a lady in the next uh, couple of towns uh, further and she didn't have enough money to do her. She only had one Euro and she had to do laundry. And I'm like, Oh yeah, let's do laundry together. So I gave two euros. She gave one euro. We did our clothes. And, you know, it's just like they taught me to be generous in that way. Help each other out. Wow. Yeah. That sounds so incredible. All the people that you met and helping people and and learning and, and then teaching them. It's just what a wonderful interconnected journey. Yeah. And, you know, I walked slow, but every once in a while, somebody would walk slow with me. Yeah. And, Cause they wanted to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was like, I felt like God was sending me angels, yeah. you know, to walk with. <laughs> exactly. And well, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Every person that you met, it was, I, I believe like everyone we meet, whether it's just a quick interaction or a long, you know, you could be married to someone for years or you could meet someone for an hour. You're supposed to meet them, you know, for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. That I, w- I was walking out, um, it was kind of a dry area, mountainous dry area. And all of a sudden there was uh, all these couches and tents and, uh, you know, not closed tents, but tents as in the canopy tents. And there was, they had hung like rugs, Persian rugs and stuff around. It was like huge. And I went in there. They were not accepting money from anybody. They wanted to give you, Mm. you know, fruit. They wanted you to have some tea and uh, nobody wanted money. And I was like, wow, they just wanted to be out there with the pilgrims, you know. That's incredible. 
And then, and so this guy, I asked him to take my picture. So I gave him my phone and I went over and sat by one of the rugs and he took my picture. And then when he came back to me, he sat down next to me, put his arm around me and did a selfie with me and him. (laughs) And so, uh, so I have a, I have that picture still. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What wonderful (laughs) memories that you have. Yeah. And it sounds like you keep in touch with some of the people still. Yeah. Yeah. We um, like say Merry Christmas. I know the um, at Christmas time, we were like going on and showing each other what our Christmas looked like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I took a picture of my tree and sent it to everybody yeah. and, and the other people took a picture of whatever they were doing to celebrate. Mm-hmm. It was pretty nice. That's really special. Wow. I think I was the only Catholic person, you know, everybody else was not. Mm-hmm. I think like one third of the people are on a spiritual journey and, and the other people, maybe they don't call it a spiritual journey. Maybe they're just there, you know, to, uh, well, walking is like a meditation. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you walk, you have to breathe because, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing some exercise and a lot of times meditation is breathing. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, you're walking, you're breathing, you're doing it for a long time Mm. (laughs) and you're walking through beautiful scenery too. There's a lot to look at and appreciate and then you're meeting Mm -hmm. people. And yeah, I think whether people know it or not, it's a, I would say it's probably definitely a spiritual journey and uh, growth, an opportunity for growth. Yeah. The, the church, a lot of the churches, like after mass, they would have a pilgrim blessing and a lot of the people that weren't catholic wanted the blessing and so they would like stand outside of church until it was over and come in and get the blessing from the priest yeah that's lovely share it share it with Mm -hmm. all wow and the art oh my gosh because i i'm an artist and you know i had to take art history many times you know in college and And so um, the art on, I mean, the primitive art, you know, and the just, um, you know, people making art out of whatever they have. I I would walk by um, like fences made out of all kinds of stuff and they put it all together and they tie it with, (laughs) with, um, you know, um, wires and like, there would be like, this really tall piece of slate. And next to that, there would be like a piece of worn out farm equipment. And then there would be, you know, uh, a wall and, you know, just like, it was just amazing um, what it was, just what it was. So cool. Wow. Mm -hmm. What an amazing journey. I, I'm so inspired and I think um, I'm happy that you wrote the book you know, to share with people. I'm glad that you're doing podcasts to share with people so we can hear your story. And, you know, because not everyone will go and do that same walk that you did. So it's kind of a way for us to experience it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just am, am happy for you that you got to experience that. And now you're sharing, sharing yeah, with us your you. story. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm. It's incredible. Well, it's been lovely chatting with you and having you on the show. And I wish you nothing but um, the best, many blessings and continued growth and high vibrations. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. And you, you too. I know you're going to have high vibrations in your life oh, too. Thank you so much. I hope. Yeah. I, I'm striving for that. And I 
you know, yeah. of course for everyone listening, wishing that for you too. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite the journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we'll link uh, the book in the description so people can find it. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening oh, today. I, could I say one more thing? Yeah. Uh, in, in my book, people were telling me, oh, you should put the pictures in your book. And oh, I yeah. was like, yeah, and then it'll cost $50. <laughs> and so I set up a website with galleries and portfolios of my pictures so you can you have to double opt in i'm sorry about that but you have to double opt in and then you can uh i put them according to the chapters so the pictures according to the chapters that's very cool. so you can they're a gift to my readers yeah that's really cool mm-hmm. let's see very nice mm-hmm. well thank you guys for listening and um yeah everybody take care 